It's an interesting conundrum for one of the most beautiful art forms to have such a dark underside. While on stage, professional ballet dancers can look poised, professional and perfect, backstage can be a whole different story. Today, we learn a little more about that story from someone who knows it firsthand. Welcome back to this week's episode of Learning Tings. I'm very excited to be here today with a very special, special friend of mine. Special friend. Isabella. Hi, guys. So, Isabella. Uh, do you want to be Isabella or Bella, Bella. today? Bella. Bella. <laughs> I, was, I, was I was like, whoa. Because <laughs> I've never called you Isabella. Yeah, yeah. I get, it's funny you never get Izzy. Never. You never got Izzy? Um, by one family when I was younger. Like, one family. Yeah. Are they miscommunicated, excommunicated yeah, we're not, now? We're not really in touch anymore. <laughs> Is it because of Izzy? Yeah, probably. But no, um, Bella has been a friend of mine for an extraordinarily long time now when you think about it. But we were actually born in the same hospital two days apart, which is psycho. Very crazy. Crazy. She is joining us here today for this topic because she is very knowledgeable in it. Bella was a professional ballerina. Yes. And I think you should actually speak to the extent of that. Like how old were you when you started? Mm-hmm. And well, we'll start there. How yeah. old were you when you've had your first kind of like dance class? So my first dance class, I was three. Three? Three. Was it like jazz? Ballet. It was ballet? ballet from the beginning. And your mum, like, was that kind of Mia's suggestion? Well, I wouldn't stop dancing around the house. So mm. she was like, I need to do something with this child. It's <laughs> fucking doing my head in. Um, and I would always like dance at my... <laughs> that, was the, that was the first option before she just got you tested. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She, um, I would always dance around like my grandparents' house, um, use their scarves, do little shows. Little oh, a little ribbon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah little nice. Twirling number. And I never stood with flat feet. I was always on tippy toe. So from the get-go. Ballet. And before we get into any of the kind of dark stuff, because this is obviously what the premise of this episode is today, mm-hmm. Mia, Bella's mum, is the opposite of what you would imagine out of like force- a dance mom. Yeah, a dance mom or like forcing your kids into it. Mia's like very grounded, super chill, super chill, compassionate, just like a very warm person. There is no sense of that with Bella's journey. Obviously, she would have pushed you in places to continue. Yes. Because when you start something when you're three and you drop out of school and you're homeschooled and you hit your teens, you need that backing. And I think a lot of teenagers go through a bit of like a, a rebellious phase. Definitely. So it was tricky during those years. But she was more there to get you back on track yeah. rather than yeah. to push you into Always it. Always with open, honest conversations. Clearing that right off the bat. This was definitely mostly Bella's choice here. It was only when they realised how talented she was that... Because I, I think I, th- I saw a stat that it was like only 10% of dancers ever make it to a professional level. If that. Yeah. If that. If that. Oh, particularly in Australia, though. And yeah, particularly yeah. now as well. Like, yeah. There's so many more people doing it. The really? skill level is so much higher than when I was doing it. It's just insane. Like, I look at dancers now and I'm like, I don't think I would have compared. Like, wow. Like, it's fucked. The training level is insane. I don't know what's happened, but it's like ballet on crack. You obviously started when you were three. Yeah. And then... When was it, how old do you think you were when it turned from this is just a leisure activity to get some energy out of Bella's system into Bella's really good at this? Was there a teacher? Was there 
did someone say something? No, I think it was like always me. Yeah. Like I was such a perfectionist, like at all of our ballet concerts when I was like, from the age of five onwards, I was backstage going, she's misbehaving. She doesn't know what she's doing. Like, this is insane. Who let her on? Yeah. <laughs> Seven-year-old Bella. Who let that cow on? I was so competitive. <laughs> I was such a little cow, like in a really? very good way. Yeah. But I was just like, this is my passion. Like, this is the love of my life. And if someone else wasn't doing it properly. You would see it as them. like disrespect. I, hated, yeah. I was yeah. like, no. Nah. Like, I based everything off of ballet. At what age do you think you went from a more common classroom to, like, was it private tutoring that it started with? Even in primary school, I would leave a little early to go and do a private ballet class with my teacher from the age of, like, nine or ten. Right. Yeah. I, I started doing, like, five lessons a week from wow. the age of eight. Eight? Yeah. That's intense. But, yeah. like, obviously you loved it. Loved it. And I was always in, like, the advanced class. I'm like... I don't know. No, you say it. <laughs> you say it. That's why you're here because was, you're the knowledgeable person in this topic. I think from the age of ten or eleven, I was dancing with girls who were like sixteen. My school was really small, and I think everyone has a very similar story in that respect. Like your first school is always tiny, and the talent pool. This is going to sound really cunty, and I really. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. Like you don't really have a gauge on like what the real life is going to be like. Uh, right. Do you know what I mean? So your first experience of like Big an fish, elite class was nothing compared no. to when no. you started going to like proper companies. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how old were you when you joined your first company? When this was a, a full-time school. So I left school when I was 15 to go and join them and I was there normal school hours. So from like 8.30 till 3.30 and then you had the option to like add on classes afterwards. So sometimes I'd be there until like 5.36 or like when we had rehearsals coming up, I was there until eight. Like the days just got longer and longer. Obviously you're there on weekends as well. So five days a week plus maybe a Saturday or Sunday. When you left Australia, I you went to New York. Backtracking a little bit. When I was 16, I was offered a placement in a company in Brussels. And I had a conversation with my mum at the time and was like, mum, I just think I'm too young. I yeah. just, like, I've seen girls really fuck themselves up. I had a little bit of time off just because it got a lot. Well, when you start when you're three yeah. and pretty quickly it's... It's my one thing. It's your one thing yeah. and the people around you are supporting you, but at the same time your upbringing was different. Yeah, it was very holistic. But I um, then got back on the horse, started kind of going at my own pace. And eventually got into a school in New York and I was there for a year. And then I transitioned from classical ballet to musical theatre. And I was working with choreographers over there within musical theatre. And I think that's where I found like joy again in dance, which yeah. was really nice. So once you were finished in New York, yeah. you came back to Australia. And I believe that's where the big pivot happened. Once you yeah left New York and come back home? So I left New York just before COVID was kind of kicking right. off. And I had a job lined up in London. So I was looking to make the transition to move over to London. I never really wanted to come back to Australia full time, but COVID happened. And right. I think everyone within the like creative realm really took a knock. Oh, yeah. Um, so I just decided, look, this is probably a sign. So naturally, I went and started making jewellery. Well, now you know Bella's background and why she is our guiding light, in a sense, today in terms of picking apart the the dark 
darker side of ballet and what it asks of a lot of young women and boys. So we're going to be looking at the history of ballet very briefly because there's really not much to say. It was just like a like for the aristocrats and then looking into Black Swan, a fantastic psychological thriller, one of my favorites. And then Dance Moms <laughs> because naturally. Yeah. <laughs> they all tap into this darker side of professional dance in a way that I think we could use your opinion on. So the word ballet is French and it comes from the Italian word balletto, which comes from the Latin word ballo, which means to dance. Um, it traces back to the Italian Renaissance during the 15th century when it was used as court entertainment. Dancing masters actually taught the steps to the nobles. So like the people they were entertaining, think kings, queens, they were actually taught the steps and they'd be part of it. So like it quickly transitioned from court jesters kind of thing, like just having entertainment for the royals into the royals being a part of it. Yeah. And the royals ended up loving it. So when an Italian-born aristocrat married a Frenchman, ballet was brought to France. So yeah, it was typically just like court entertainment initially until it started to be used as an accompanying factor to opera. Mm -hmm. So that's where ballet started to get its roots as more than just a little entertainment value for, for kings and queens. King Louis XIV helped to kind of standardise it and make it more of an art form rather than just like a comic break. He actually performed himself. Did yeah, you know yeah. this? Yeah. Funnily enough, I did because there's a step named after him in ballet and I'm like trying to wrap my... Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's like the entre chicard or something like that. It's like where you switch your feet a bunch of times and he used to do it. Ah, okay, yeah. And he was, he played the Sun King in Ballet de, de la Nuit. 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 Yeah. Does that mean like Ballet of the Night? Night, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds so similar. So in 1661, I don't know if it was the first, but the first prominent dance company was started in Paris. Mm -hmm. And 20 years later, they started to put on productions. Also 20 years later, so in 1681, 20 years after this company was formed, women were suddenly allowed to do it. The funny thing about this is because up until 1681, women weren't legally allowed to dance in public. I mentioned that to you last night when we were having dinner, yeah. that how psycho that is, that like women were allowed to dance now in public. Now that they're like the main attraction of ballet. Yeah, and and most things really when it comes to dance, yeah. it's like women are usually at the at the forefront. Plus, so men don't want to dance any. Well, like they do, but like now the there's been so much rhetoric over different generations yeah. that yeah. made dancing lame for men to do. I know. <laughs> you know, you watch things like Footloose and like it's so hot and like in like the fifties and sixties, yeah. like movies then. Stunning. Oh, I yeah. love it when men dance. Don't see it enough these days. Boys, Boys put on your dancing shoes for us. <laughs> French ballet master Jean-Georges Nover. Do you know him? No. He no, rebelled against the use of ballet as a secondary piece to opera. He was the first guy to kind of suggest that ballet could stand on its own as its own art form and not just as this second thing that you were looking at while you were watching like the opera. Like a novelty item. Exactly. Yeah. He believed ballet should contain expressive dramatic movement that also would reveal the relationships between the dancers and the characters they were playing. Okay. And just to finish off the history of ballet, I have some funny little, not funny, but like interesting ballet facts. So one tutu takes about 90 hours to make 
and can cost up to $3,000 just to make. Yeah, they're expensive. Yeah. What is it like to buy, though? Because that's $3,000. Like, to wrap your head around that, it costs them $3,000 just to make it before they add a markup for the market. Yeah. I was lucky enough that I never had to purchase a tutu. You could hire them? You can hire them, but I was always, I I was the hand-me-down queen. (laughs) (laughs) But they were stunning. Yeah. Like tutus now I don't think are as beautiful as what they once were. No. Um, the level of detail that goes, I mean, once you get to a professional level, everything's stunning. But when you're doing competitions, you can, there are some trash tutus. So it's worth spending the money on. Right. Yeah. Okay. Point shoes are made by hand. Mm-hmm. And I want you to talk me through the concept of like, why do you scuff them up? Because we've all seen these scenes in movies or um, just like videos where you watch a ballerina get a brand new pair of expensive point shoes and then they spend two hours just like hacking at it with a razor and it looks like they're destroying them. And also I'm, I'm guessing point shoes don't come cheap just quietly either. No, they're like roughly 150 to over $200. So remember that, that's per pair. So okay. why are you? why does it look like you're just destroying it? With point shoes, it's all about aesthetic. If you have bendy feet, that's like a ballerina's dream. Like you want your foot to look as arched as possible. We also scuff them up on the bottom. Like everyone has their own little preference. Like some people would knit around the um, the block of the shoe to provide more of a base when they're turning, like it's more comfy. Other times we'd like rip the bottom of the shoe and that provides like more friction on the ground because like a lot of the surfaces that we dance on are very slippery. So right. we want to avoid like that's a dancer's worst nightmare is falling over. Right. So like to avoid that, we use like a thing called resin. It's the same thing that like, you polish violin strings. Very yeah, niche. Yeah. yeah. But um, we'd crush that on the ground or we'd use water. Like, but the downside to that is we'd go through it a pair of point shoes like once a week. Well, that's the next yeah. one. Ballet dancers can wear out two to three pairs a week. Yeah. And when they're up there in that price range, I think you said up to like, you know, close to about $300 on yeah. average per pair. That's getting pretty pricey. Yeah. Sorry, mum. <laughs> <laughs> a ballerina can carry three times her body weight on her big toe. Mm-hmm. That That's insane. Yeah. How are your feet? <laughs> My feet are good. But when you kind of first left it was ballet feral. for the first it time, how were the dogs? Disgusting. Yeah. Painful? Yeah. Like always sore. Like I would end up with, like with my feet in a nice bucket at the end of every day. Like shocking. I had the craziest dream last night about a girl who was turned into a swan. So now we are moving on to Black Swan. It is a psychological horror film from 2010. So Natalie Portman, Vincent Cassell, Mila, 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 Mila. fuck, Mila, fuck, Mila, Mila Kunis, and Winona Ryder. Um, it revolves. Winona Ryder's in it. Yeah, she's Beth. Oh my god! Yeah. It revolves around a production of Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake by the New York City Ballet Company, mm-hmm. which Nina, uh, Natalie Portman's character, is a part of. So if you've never watched the ballet uh, or you've never heard of Swan Lake or anything, it is, in my opinion, one of the big ones. It's not, it's a big one. Is it like, what it, would you say, where's Nutcracker? Go, where's... Everyone knows Nutcracker. Right. So it goes Nutcracker, Swan Lake, and then everything else kind of falls underneath it. But still, Swan Lake is... Very on par, though. Yeah. Swan Lake, artistically, is... My favourite. But also in terms of the competition. So, like, the New York City Ballet Company would put on multiple productions. But whenever they're doing something like this, they are only going to get the absolute best of the best from their company to be a part of it. So you've got the quarter ballet. That's like your ensemble. 
Right. So that that's the biggest bulk part of the company. And then you've got the Corafe, which is a level up. So there are levels to There's the levels company. to the shit. There's <laughs> levels to the shit. You work your way up, but once you get to the principal level, there's only really six. Right. So you'll have six males, six females. And is um, this just in the company these levels are always standing? Or is always this per- standing. Yeah. yeah and yeah, then yeah, when yeah. the production comes up, they, they will pick from, cast. Yeah. So they have multiple casts. Right. So, like, you can't perform every single night. No. Because sometimes you'll have a matinee performance and then you'll have an evening performance. Right. So it's really important to, like, rotate the cast. And you just said about at the end of one day you'd have your feet in an ice bucket. Yeah. So it's just But, like, possible. for premiere, they'll get the prima. So it's more common in ballet for you to see an understudy, would you say, than in, like, a musical? I think so, yeah. But they're not even called understudies Because they're still the creme de la creme. They're still so good. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't notice. Yeah. Okay, so that gives you an idea of like where this company, if you haven't seen the film, really you should watch it. I, I can't recommend it more. It's so good. It's incredible. They won Best Picture at the Oscars and then Natalie Portman. Did Port- they? Yeah, Natalie Portman got Best Actress. Particularly impressive considering it was an artsy kind of indie film that only had $13 million budget. Insane. So what is, are you able to give like the too long didn't read on what the story of Swan Lake is? Swan Lake is about... What what's the word for it? It's like bestiality, right? Technically, I suppose, yeah. It's uh, about a it's about a prince. It's about a prince who goes out hunting one day and he comes across a flock. Is that what you call them? Swans. A gaggle yeah. of no, no <laughs> gaggle, gaggle of, of geese. Thing. He goes to shoot them down, but then he's struck by the beauty of one swan in particular and falls in love with her. Yeah. And then there's the bad guy, and then he has a daughter who's the black swan. And how does it end? They go to a ball. The bad guy traps the white swan and sends the black swan in her place. But in the ballet, the black swan and the white swan is played by the same prima ballerina. Right. And so that brings us to the plot of the movie Black Swan that we're talking about because Nina, Natalie Portman's character, is a very, very good girl, like very polite and... um, Perfect. Perfect. She's just clean cut. Clean cut. Yeah. And so the story revolves around whether or not she is going to be able to find the black swan naughtiness as a performer to be able to complete this role. And so she's surrounded by people that and there's already extraordinary competition in in companies, Mm -hmm. because if you are one of these six principals that is cast, you are then hated by the other five females kind of thing that what did I have that she, what what don't I have that she has kind of thing. So if she's struggling to find the black swan. She won't get it. And also all the other women around her are like, why the fuck did she get cast kind of thing. So that's where the story, the role kind of goes. Now, just a little bit on the New York City Ballet Company, what this fictional movie is based, the company that it's based on. Do you know the name George Ballantine? Yes, I do. He's a very stylized choreographer. He was a very stylized choreographer. He yeah. was na- recognized as one of the most influential choreographers of the 20th century. Yeah. Um, but he had a really bad rap for his inappropriate relationships with female female um, dancers. Wow. He, okay. All four of his wives were ballet dancers at the company under him. And they are all um, much younger than him. Yeah. Instantly when I read that. I was like, oh, that's that's Vincent Cassell's character in Black mm-hmm. Swan, who is the art, artistic director, I believe, of this ballet. Yeah. And he's just like just overstepping lines all the time. Like to put it lightly. Yeah. It, it just immediately reminded me of the, that character. And funnily enough, the, the actor, Vincent Cassell, compared his character to George Balanchine. 
and said he was a control freak, a true artist using sexuality to direct his dancers. In order to prepare for the role, uh, Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis, both small women, mm. both small Very petite. figures, petite figures, but they still had to spend a really long time getting prepared for the role. They worked out five hours a day, a mix of ballet, cross training and swimming, and they were limited to 1,200 calories a day, which yep. is not dangerous, depending on your height, obviously, but not sustainable. No. It's interesting that they did swimming, though, because that builds the same muscles as ballerinas. Yeah, so Natalie and her instructor, former New York City ballet dancer Mary Helen Bowers, um, they said would do two hours a day for the first six months, and that was really just for strengthening and also to avoid injury. Yeah. And then at about six months, we started doing five hours a day. We added in swimming, so I was swimming a mile a day, toning and then doing three hours of ballet class each day that's such a huge undertaking for someone who's never well she might have danced in the past but she did she's not a dancer no and then two months before we added the choreography so we're probably doing eight hours a day while there was a stunt double for natalie it, it is so crucial to give her the credit where credit is due waist up it's her yeah and what you were saying a second ago is like dancing when you were younger yeah. mila kunis said I did ballet as a kid like every other kid does ballet. You wear a tutu and you stand on stage and you look cute and twirl. But this is very different because you can't fake it. You can't just stay in there and like pretend you know what you're doing. Your whole body has to be structured differently. The things that the aspects of the dark side of, of dance that Black Swan touches on. First and foremost, we have to talk about eating disorders. So this is where it starts to get a bit touchy yeah and and not fun but you do have kind of experiences not with the eating disorder side of it but with seeing other girls around you with that going on for them um so in the movie she natalie portman's character has half a grapefruit for breakfast just disordered eating disordered eating yeah completely disordered eating fucked i don't think we really see her eat much at all but there is a a a point made in a scene where it's like this is her daily routine she will have half a grapefruit for breakfast and then i don't i I don't it's like the standard dancers die (laughs) everyone tries at once yeah yeah how'd you go with it not great i I got mine with like brulee sugar on top just to like (laughs) make it taste a little nicer right right um and also she like when she got the role um of of Swan Lake, mm. her mum gets her a cake to celebrate um, and they make it seem like that this is something they, they often do whenever she gets a role, like they've done it since she was a little kid. Mm. She like wouldn't eat. She re- would refuse to eat the cake because she was already under so much pressure. A moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips is what my ballet teacher used to tell me all the time. Really? She said you can have a little bit, indulge in a little bit. Okay. But not too much. Right. And when I, I used to... Um, I was trying to think about why this happens. Like, I didn't know. I didn't have an answer. I think I just liked hanging out with you. Yeah. But, like, I would go to Bella's of Steadfords. I would go to her tag along. I was literally, like, this little tag along and I'd just be, like, hanging out with it her It would mom. make it so much more enjoyable, though. Right. And I think... And more chilled for me. That's what your mum always said. She was like, it's good for Lucy, you to... get in the car. Yeah. We're, going, we're, we're, going, going to, we're going to an estate. Rally the truth. Because <laughs> I was just this, like... I, I was kind of just, like, comic relief, in a sense, because your mum... It that's would take what, my mind off of everything. Well, that's it. Your mum said, like, when you were in that... These big rooms, because they'd convert these school oh, I still get like so triggered about and, uh, yeah and the whole room is filled with the most competitive mums you've ever met in your life sp- hair spraying 
I mean, if you've ever been to a dance in Stedford, you know exactly you know what the what's fuck going I'm talking on. about. But what was interesting for me is that, you know, when you weren't there or when I had to go to the bathroom, mm. um, I was sharing cubicles next to girls that were just throwing up. Yeah. And, and we were, Shock they wouldn't have been any older than about 14 or 15. Where's that coming from? I just think it's so ingrained within ballet culture to be super thin. Right. Super thin. And if you're not naturally built that way, it's so hard. It's impossible. Like I remember when I was 12 or maybe a little bit younger, like my ballet teacher would grab the like fat on my arm, like here and pull down and go, she did it in a nice way. And I'm like, she was like, see, there's no fat on your arm. There's no oh, fat right. on your arm. She was affirming like, you. Then yes. I'd have teachers who would literally dig their, f- I had one teacher in particular who had like fake fingernails and she would come up to you and like poke your bum. And like if you had any flap on your bum, she'd be like, tighten that, tighten that. Like it was, it was, you were just poked and prodded all the time. And going back to the part of like the boys would not go near you. And the male teachers who taught it would have to force them to lift the bigger girls. And by bigger girls, I'm talking about girls who probably weighed like 50 kilos. Did you ever have a point where you were at a weight where you were like, this isn't healthy? I was always at a good weight, but I did have people notice and it really annoyed me, but people would always comment on my weight. Oh, you look good. Oh, have you lost weight? Like it was just a Uh, constant like barrage. And the other thing I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, is that like through puberty, you had breasts. Yeah, I had big boobs, which was an issue. Yeah, there's no other, that's the perfect word for it. It was an issue because it made you look curvier. I'm still jealous of girls, which is so gross, who have flat Flat chests. Yeah, And I'm like, I will always have boobs. But it was like a combination of, going through puberty um I was on the pill to control my periods like when they come because like if you're in a leotard all day you don't want to be having any accidents no definitely so I started that at a very young age and it made my boobs I went from like flat to a d and like if you're imagining this little twig with just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 but exactly what you said like it's an issue and like I remember your teachers would bring it up and it's like particularly when you're a young woman going through puberty and experiencing these changes in your body for the first time, to then have someone come over and tell you that it's an issue, that, like, could we put this off? With the eating disorders, it's just it ruined people's careers. Like, I've seen girls, their bones break. Like, we have to fuel our bodies. We have to eat really healthy. We have to eat enough so that, like, we've got muscle. We've got correct bone density. Like, I knew a girl who lost way too much weight and her bones just started to crack and she was never able to dance again like and that was at the age of 17. That is so tragic. You're done. So the second one is obsessive compulsive so something that they do touch on in the movie a lot is how uh, perfectionism. Yes yeah. so you said before you described Nina as perfect and that mm. was the perfect word for her. Mm. She was like meticulous about her routine And this idea of ballerinas coming out of ballet, um, psychologists say that this is OCD is one of the big kind of risk factors for them because it is so ingrained in them, their routine and their meticulous little steps they would take. Anything from breaking in your point shoes through to, Christ, what you're eating, exactly what you're saying, this obsessive compulsive need to document everything. Mm -hmm. Did you ever feel anything like that? 
I definitely went through phases because I thought that that's what you needed to do. Right. So I went through phases of writing down what I ate in a day. I've tried every app. I definitely notice now how much of a perfectionist I am. Yes. I I don't think you can be good at ballet without having that as well. Right. So what I was going to say is, do you think that is coming from ballet or do you think that was within you? I think it was within me. And that's why you were a successful ballerina. 100%. Because there's no way you'd be able to do it any other way. Like people who don't care, just get out of the game. Like it's just, it's not going to happen for you. Competition. We've touched on that. Um, Winona's writer's character, her name is Beth. So she lost everything it kind of makes it seem like when she lost the limelight in terms of vincent's eyes his character's eyes she was she done. goes a bit psycho and i think she had what uh, substance abuse issues i have actually haven't seen so the movie in a while fair, though it's yeah. so fair like imagine like she wasn't old but they it makes you feel old so psychosis is something that the the movie that is part of the plot where she starts to like literally lose her mind and is seeing things this is Natalie, right? Natalie's yeah. character. Um, and we don't really know what's real. Did you ever kind of meet any ballerinas that... Because I don't... Another point to be made here is that there were only really like two women, two girls, I should say, that you were friends with through ballet. Like, yeah. like that you held on to at least. Yeah. So I, I don't... Like, you kind of did keep to yourself a little bit from I what I know. I was so private just because it's too hard. It's hard to make friends. Why is that? Everyone is your competition. Everyone is the enemy. I don't want to say that like it's that sounds really like serious, but it, that's just how it felt at yeah. the time. So it was it wasn't worthwhile. Did you ever kind of meet any girls that you looked at them and thought like, oh my god, there's some screws loose up there? I think there was delusion, right? Definitely delusion. Delusion with the mothers. Delusion oh, yeah. with the children. I just remembered something. Yeah, there was a dance school. But there was a guy and a woman who owned the school and their girls all had the same build, very skinny, very but stocky, no boobs, very young-looking girls. They were young. They were really young. But, like, they just bred this kind of dancer and they were amazing. And everyone was like, oh, my God, like, I want to go to that school because they're so unbelievable. Like, the training's fantastic. Came out that he was grooming and taking photos of these young girls. Like, that I just remembered, but it's like that was such a common I think thing I did as see well. That actually. Yes, it was so like it was huge news. You mentioned something to me mm. that I don't know if I remember this right, but like people like sabotage like, young girls as dancers sabotaging other dancers with yeah. their point shoes. What was so? I remember a, a period of time over like a couple of competitions where there was a backstage area where we'd all get. You spoke about this earlier, where we'd all get ready together, and. If we went away from our like ballet bag, we might come back, put our point shoes on to find shards of glass or nails in the point shoes. Nails as in like hammer and nail. Hammer nails, yeah. So that was a common thing for a little while there. I don't know. What if, like, would you like? Did you ever hurt yourself? I it never happened to me. Oh, but I do know people. Maybe I was. The Maybe one. that's why your mum got me to come along. <laughs> yeah. Sit by her point shoes, yeah, yeah, darling, yeah. just to watch it. <laughs> but there was a huge thing about girls being like, "Can you just watch my dance bag? Can you just watch that? No one goes near it." Really? Yeah. And the people from the same school would stay together and like really like everyone was looking Put out all for their one another. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's a corner around yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Hunger Games ballet. <laughs> it sounds like it. It is. That's yeah. so crazy. Did you like ever when you were kind of going through that? Did you? 
did you click that that was psycho or were you just kind of like, this is what this is? It was just kind of fun. Like, I loved the drama she of was it. Putting, she was the one was putting the glass. One, I was yeah. the one doing it. Sorry, guys. Sorry. But it was just, like, so dramatic. You were on stage when you were backstage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the whole time you're on. Like, I would leave competitions or performances and be shattered, like, exhausted because, like, from the moment you arrive there, even before, like, you're just, you just, you have to, like. Um, oh, you got to prepare yourself, yeah. compose yourself. Because, yeah. like, I can imagine it's not just physically exerting, but it's also just, like, emotionally, emotionally. Draining. Draining. Yeah. Yeah. And then just once, like, on the mothers, it ties back into what we were talking about with the delusion. Like, an example of said delusion would be I won a lot of competitions when I was younger. And there were mothers who would come up to my mum and say, oh, no, 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 that was rigged. That was definitely rigged. Like, my daughter should have won. And it's like the fucking audacity. To take that away from not only you. A child. But your mum. And my mum, like, who had, like, my mum would stand at the back, like, in the farthest corner away. But, like, that would happen so often that it got to a point where I was terrified to win competitions because I was like, everyone's going to ha- – that didn't last long. I ended up <laughs> loving it, but I was like – She's competitive. Yeah, she's, she's, a, she's a bitch. But, yeah, that That's was interesting bitch. as well. Maddie, you're doing a solo. You cannot go out on that stage and be anything less than stellar. Got it? Yes. Dance Moms was an American reality TV show that was launched in 2011. 2011 on Lifetime. And it follows a long I'm just time trying ago. to work out how old I was in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> just like automatically heard the Jeopardy song in my head. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so it follows the training and careers of a bunch of prepubescent girls under the coaching of Miss Abby Lee Miller, who I'm sure you know of. Uh, if you've ever seen a video of an overweight woman in a mobility chair with a sour look on her face, that's her. We're allowed to talk shit about Abby Lee Miller because yeah. of what she did. And that's why we're talking about Dance Moms in this episode because it, again, like Black Swan, but in d- different ways. And in real life. Touches on the same concepts and touches on, you know, what the fuck are you thinking to put these little girls through this shit? Yeah. So you probably know of the girls that came out of the show, Maddie Ziegler, her little sister Mackenzie Ziegler, and Jojo Siwa, who was a really interesting pivot for me because she was... Oh, that girl. You didn't like her? A bit much. Bit, bit much. I'm oh, a well, quiet person. Qui- Christ, you should not go to her YouTube channel now because no. that is... A- the TikToks are what does me. I'm going to hurt my voice. if I, I was going to imitate her, but I just realised I couldn't. I'd no. fuck up my voice. Yeah. I don't know how she's done. <laughs> so just on Abby, she grew up in Pittsburgh um, and her mum owned a dance studio called the Marion Dance Studio or maybe like was just high up working there. And so when she was 14, she was given the response, Abby was given the responsibility of choreographing routines. For dance these, like, numbers. Yeah, for these adult female dance numbers and then when she was 30 she ended up taking over that school she was certified by dance masters america no idea there's no so idea much what bath. that is there's yeah so I was much say, that just sounds like weird yeah. talent it's stuff. like those weird like courses that you can do online like now you're certified in like oh know, you okay. know what i mean well funnily enough it, it was a serious enough thing that she got like i was gonna say disbarred, <laughs> disbarred. she got revoked as a dance master uh, the year after dance moms came out because You're kidding well they said quote dance moms was a total misrepresentation of our dance educators and their students 
and is detrimental to the dance profession. Right. Okay. And I don't think we can fight that. But at the same time, as much as it is edited reality television, it was pretty real. Steeped in reality. Yes. Yes. But I loved it. Like, I was obsessed. I thought it was, like, the best thing ever. I loved <laughs> the way that Abby treated the girls as well, which is, like... <laughs> about what we're literally about to so talk about. No, this was in the very, very beginning. Right. Because so, I love strict teachers. They get results. Well, that, that is true. And that yeah. is the fine line, I think, that Abby Lee Miller ended Crossed. up getting herself in trouble yeah. because she was teetering ever so closely most of the time. And then child abuse. That's the question. It's like, when are you a strict teacher? When are you just abusing eight-year-old girls? So yeah. several episodes were were like really highly critiqued because of what happened in the episode or what the girls were doing. Mm. There was one, I don't know, you probably will remember it, Season two, the episode was called Topless Showgirls, and it was actually removed from rotation. They had to take it out. I don't actually, you can probably find it, but I'm scared to Google Topless Showgirls, eight-year-old dancers, personally. Um, But they were doing a burlesque routine. I remember this. And they wore sequined, flesh-toned bras and tights to make them look nude. And how old do you reckon those girls would have been? Eight. One of the mums, Kelly Highland, remind me who her daughter was, Chloe? Yeah, Chloe. Chloe. So Kelly, her mother, was arrested in 2014 for assaulting Abby Lee Miller during a, an altercation backstage at a show. Um, you can just see, if you're on audio, Bella's it. just like sighed and looked up into the corner of the room, like remembering so better days. <laughs> so good. Miller, Abby Lou Miller, she's been indicted, charged with bankruptcy, fraud, concealment of bankruptcy assets, false bankruptcy declaration. She was actually sentenced to one year and one day in prison. I don't know if she served the whole time, but... I think she got sick. I'm surprised no one ever uh, accused her of child abuse. Yeah, I'm sure they tried. It's all there on camera. They've got the tapes. I was kind of Googling around for, like, what the worst things she did on the show, because, like... I've watched a lot of Dance Moms, particularly mm. ma- mainly with you. Like that was just something that we'd watch when we got Can't back from me. one of your engagements. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm carrying around your ballet bag, a little <laughs> chauffeur, basically. Yeah. We'd watch Dance Moms and like I can remember her, like she was awful, but like in a funny way. Mm. But I looked up to see if like what were the like worst things that like people think I'm that she did. Yeah. So this Reddit thread was like asking that question. It's like, you know, we know Abby Lee Miller's a shit cunt, but like, what were the specific things that really drove that home for you? Someone said, Chloe's eye. So you, did you know how Chloe had this like m- medical problem with her eye? Like she could have died from it? No. Well, apparently she had like some medical condition that was serious enough that it could have killed her and Abby made fun of her. <laughs> oh Lord. Was it like a bung eye? Well, it like must have been. Eye. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't okay. really, but okay. that that came up so many times in this Reddit thread, like okay. how she was just a complete tool about Imagine this. Imagine being eight years old or nine years old and, and being told, get over it, hun. Well, all of that, remembering that eight for all of this, yeah. complaining Brooke wasn't as skinny as her 11-year-old prepubescent sister. Yeah, that was tough. Allegi- allegedly posting students' weights. Yeah. Calling Kendall Nia Kalani fat. Mm-hmm. Um, gaslighting the crap out of Maddie. Yes. Blatant racism. Yeah. When she punished and cried to nine-year-old Maddie, mm. you, the parents did <gasps> yes. a parking lot sit-out where they were so against what Abby was doing they for whatever reason. They would do reason. protests all the time. Well, it was reality TV, yeah, they, yeah. and they had nothing else better to do yeah. for eight hours a day during the studios. So they one day they sat out in the parking lot and, like, as a stand against Abby, 
Um, and so Abby cried to nine-year-old Maddie Ziegler and punished her for sitting in the car and listening to her mum. I remember that. Like, and it was she... so hard because Maddie, I can totally understand the relationship that Maddie had with Abby. Right. You love your teacher. You idolise them. So they become the most important person. So she would have been stuck between such a rock and a hard place because I'm sure at times she loved Abby more than she loved her own mother. Yes. And like, fuck's sakes, like... The mum should have gotten her shit together and just taken her daughter into class. I was going to say, it is not the responsibility of a nine-year-old no. to balance relationships like no. that. And she pit Maddie against and Mackenzie against all the other girls. And it's not Maddie's fault that she was the bee's knees. It it's is not like Maddie's she fault was sensational. that she was the, one of the best dancers we've seen come out of yeah. any, any reality sense. Show, I mean, there's yeah. a reason she's on in all of Sia's music videos and yeah. whatnot. And anytime she brought the girls' dad's uh, family life, personal shit up in front of the girls when she was mad at their mothers. Um, and the example she's given here are like Melissa's affair or divorce, how much money Jojo's dad made, Kira's situation. Like yeah. she was just fucking Brutal. awful. She like, would use people's like kind of private life as ammunition. And she's not well. Like I firmly believe that Abby oh, Lee Miller is not well. Yeah. Like she is, there's something going on up there there is more than one or two screws loose. It's power. Yes. And it's unhealthy the way that she thinks thought it was appropriate to do that to little girls. Mm. Like that's just fucked. So wrong. But like as it it's like very evident now how much it traumatized Maddie because she has totally disassociated. You think? She, she won't talk of her. She said it's the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Really? She there's she's come out publicly saying, I will not speak on this. I think, thank God, she found Sia because I think without that, she probably would have just been a teacher at that fucking school. Or she would have been vlogging herself on YouTube like Jojo. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Jojo. I love love Jojo. I think she's... Poor Jojo. Jojo's like rolling in a fucking Rolls Royce now. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. I love... I actually think she's so fucking hardworking. Yeah. But I'm like, at what point here... How old is she? I think she's over 18 now. Yeah, she is. She's... Can I allege that Jojo Siwa could be on coke? (laughs) Where else are you finding that energy? She's on some kind of uppers. <laughs> I think she's on the Judy Garland. I was going to say, I would like to add here that that is, I've made that up on yeah. the spot. But also, I'll have what she's having. Because yeah. that level of energy that she brings to her videos and the dances she used to and do. And half of that. And then I'd, I think I'd be good. I wouldn't mind the Judy Garland experience for a day. For a day. Just for a day. And I certainly don't need 40 no. amphetamines or no. cigarettes. No. I was more thinking like the chicken broth. <laughs> you just feel like chicken soup. Yes. But that's kind of where we've come to yeah. in this in this episode in terms of like what the underworld of, of all of this is because dance is one of the most beautiful art forms, particularly ballet. It mm. is so prestigious. It is so respected. It's one of the only art forms where the way you are taught is paying homage and respect to the art form in a way that you don't see in a lot of other places. So, like, you could go to a jazz class and you just, like, learn jazz hands and stuff. You go to a ballet class, you enroll in a ballet school, all of a sudden you have a new vocabulary. You Mm. are learning about the history of it. There's so much more respect. And I think, like, as much as we've kind of touched on the negative sides of ballet, there are so many things that I take away from it that, like, have really formed me as a human. Your work ethic is is one that I think has, you are always going to be hardworking. That is just in you. Yeah. But I think your work ethic is like something that has definitely been honed by ballet as well. A hundred percent. Like I still have teachers that I love to death 
Like I had such positive experiences mixed in with like the occasional negative experience. And I'm sure there are girls who had amazing times being a ballerina or like really shitty times being a ballerina. But I think there are so many takeaways from it. I definitely put my child in ballet. Yes. Like to teach them respect. Yes. And to teach them how to like get their shit together. It also, ballet is incredible for so many other things. Lean muscle, posture. Poise. Poise, core strength. You respect your elders as well. Like it's it's just ingrained in you. Like you, like you have so much respect for those teaching you and passing down these like very important Anxious. lessons. Yes. And thank God women are allowed to dance in public. I know. We went to Moulin Rouge last oh, night. Oh my god! If you are in Australia or go uh, and see, yeah. It. If it's if you're watching this or listening to this at a time where you can still get tickets, go and the musical, the musical, go and go and un fucking believable. Like yeah. I was blown away. I blown it was away. fun. I just had a lot of fun. No, you need fun. to be like five drinks deep. But like, we were, <laughs> and the cocktails there. My God, yours was the sateen. Mine was called like the Bohemian Sunset or something. Yeah. Can recommend, but I think you strong. need to have a few before you start drinking them because they were fucking strong. Yeah, There is something about watching someone who is so ingrained in their craft, and I think it's because I do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like when I watch a musical or something, like I was a big musical kid, if you can't tell, I watch it and I want to, I equally want to be them. Yeah. And I equally respect what they're doing and I'm just completely engrossed in it, by it. In it. Yes. Yeah. It's like the one thing that takes you away from everything else. Yeah. It's like magic. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And I stopped going to the ballet when I left dancing because I couldn't be there because it broke Jealousy. my heart yeah. to watch. Like I was envious. Envious is a better word. I think I was devastated, but I was just like, that is a part of me that I'll never have back. Because once you stop, you can't start again. We can. Why is that? It's just hard? It's hard. And also it's just... (laughs) The way I said that. Why is that? It's a bit difficult for you. A little bit hard for you, is it? (laughs) But no, it is. It's it's such a beautiful... And if you haven't been to the ballet and you're listening to this episode, highly recommend. I dragged my boyfriend and all of his friends along. (laughs) All of his friends. I love the idea that you've made plans with your boyfriend and all of his yeah. friends. I was like, boys, like, come on, we're going to the ballet. They thought they were going to the pub. <laughs> we did have a few drinks beforehand, but they loved it. They yes. loved it. And yes. also like all of the really like character driven ballets. Like yes. there's obviously no talking, but like they just they were sitting there in awe just watching what was going on in the background because it's a fully immersive experience. hundred like, percent. Just so like Moulin Rouge good. last night, you can watch like four different areas yeah. of the stage and hone in unreal. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Learning Tings. I'm so excited to like hear you do that in person. Not oh. on the app. <laughs> um this is episode ten, which is really crazy to think about, but it's really exhausting doing this, so I think I might take one week off if that's okay with Check everyone. Yourself. Thank you. I'm doing the great off. I'm right. kind of not okay with it. but Oh, I, I was going to take a longer hiatus, but then I realised I didn't want to. I, I want to keep doing it. I want to keep learning my things. But if you would like to uh, see a little bit more of what Bella's up to at the moment, it is beautiful, creative work for spaces and events and people. People, connecting people. She is on Instagram, larobe.club. Uh, there's also a website, isn't there? Yes, which is larobe.events. Yeah, so L-A, la, robe, as in what you wear as a dressing gown. 
If you are on audio, please give this rating five stars. I'm actually not going to compromise there. I'd like five, please. Especially for this one. Yeah. And if you're on the YouTube video, thumbs up and a subscribe if you liked it. And if not, respect. How have you gotten this far into the video? Fuck off. <laughs> See ya. Adios.